In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what is General Data Protection Regulation, aka GDPR? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy Dbuck, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is the General Data Protection Regulation otherwise known as GDPR. Joining me to, to help answer this question is Cliff Smith of Parameter Security. I had the pleasure of hanging out with Cliff at uh, ShowMeCon in early June, June 7th and 8th next year. I believe it's like June 13th or 14th. Uh, really great conference. Really enjoyed it. Uh, this was one of the first times I've actually like sat down with someone I wanted to interview outside of the, you know, the big, uh, big, after conference podcast that I like to do. This is definitely sit down, have an interview, have a discussion about a topic. Cliff spoke on GDPR and really why everyone should care, even those outside of the EU. Uh, hint, if you collect any sort of analytic data and your website is available to European citizens, then you apply for GDPR. So this is a, a really great podcast to kind of get your head, start getting your head wrapped around this, If especially if your organization hasn't done that yet, which I highly recommend. Um, so yeah. And uh, so as this was my, you know, my first time actually recording outside of it, the audio is in, in works. It didn't turn out bad. So uh, still very much listenable or else I wouldn't release it. I have killed shows before because the audio was just not worth it or the content was not worth it. This is definitely worth it. But I am playing around getting to know some of my new equipment I got. I, I recently came into some new um microphones and so now i'm just kind of building out my travel kit a little bit so that i can get some really quality stuff going so show notes can be found timothydblock.com forward slash eis this one will be forward slash 144 feedback timothy.dblock at gmail.com and then you can reach out to me at twitter at timothydblock and with that let's get it on so uh gdpr yeah what is GDPR? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it stands for General Data Protection Regulation. It's a new reg in the EU. It took effect literally two weeks ago, so it right. is brand new. So that was, well, that's May 25th, 2018? Correct, yeah. Okay. So it's the... It is it, the word. The letter P stands for protection, not privacy, and it's both a privacy and a security regulation. It literally references confidentiality, integrity, availability, and resilience of processing systems. So there are a lot of requirements because it's a broad, sweeping regulation. And depending on exactly how the courts decide to enforce it, it could have a very broad impact on the way we do business in the security industry. So like like what courts? Is this is this the EU courts or is this the US courts or both? EU courts. So the US courts, it's possible that the US courts might someday enforce GDPR fines against US companies. That's unlikely. The substance of the of the regulation, what the words actually mean is going to be determined by EU courts. Right. But you also and this is uh, we're at ShowmeCon and you're at your you did you talked about your you had your talk. You talked about how things can change based on 
I guess, certain scenarios, a certain lawsuits going on right now? Yeah, the big one is there is a privacy group called NOYB.EU. It stands for none of your business, of course. They, <laughs> yeah, cute. They had this lawsuit cocked and ready to go on the day the reg went into effect. And they were challenging Google and Facebook over what they're calling forced consent. Okay. So consent that is conditioned, consent that is a condition of a service. So in Facebook, you have to accept their privacy policy. You have to consent to certain processing of your data or you can't use the service. As far as GDPR is concerned, that consent is not valid. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no other way to read the regulation. If the way the complaint describes the privacy practices on these services is accurate, then Google and Facebook lose, period, game over. And it's just a question of what kind of fine is going to be levied and exactly what changes the authorities are going to require Google and Facebook to make. And then do they have any pushback on that then? Good question. I mean, honestly, these are multi-billion dollar companies, some of the biggest tech companies in the world. If anybody can do some kind of front room, back room, whatever kind of negotiation <laughs> and and change the way this is going to work, it's them. You know, one of my old law school professors, actually Judge Michael Wolf, who's very well known in Missouri and is now the dean of SLU Law School, said a lawyer who can't turn a shall into a may or a may into a shall isn't much of a lawyer. So we'll see what Google and Facebook, lawyer, what their lawyers can pull off while they're defending this lawsuit. Right. But they're going to have to make the regulation mean something other than what it says. And why is that? So the regulation itself, including the text of the regulation, the recitals that come before it, and the documents that are basically advisory opinions on how to interpret it, say that not only can is consent presumed to be not freely given if it is a condition of a service. So whenever you say, consent to our terms, consent to this processing of your data, or you can't use this, this Android phone or this Facebook account, it's presumed that consent is not freely given. In addition, the consent form has to be granular. So you have to be able to say, I consent to this type of processing, but not this type of processing. It has to be broken down category by category. And that's not what Google and Facebook are doing. So, you know, if they basically, what I, my best guess as to why they haven't changed things more than they have Mm -hmm. before the regulation went into effect, is that they figure, let's just have this confrontation now, directly negotiate exactly how far we need to go. Right. Let's let's minimize the changes we have to make and just fight it out with the regulatory authorities now so it's settled. That's my best guess as to what they're doing. Well, right, and you said in your talk, like, it's gonna, it, it, people, like, they had two years, and then people are finding out that they maybe didn't prepare as well for it, but it seems like that's a different tact where it's like, well, we'll just see what happens and make them... Pretty much call their hand, right? Call their bluff or whatever. Yeah. I mean, most of the people at ShowmeCon, we don't have Google and Facebook here. We have some tiny companies, companies with single-digit numbers of employees and medium and large businesses, but very few people here, for example, have the resources to literally go toe-to-toe with the EU privacy regulators. I mean, you know... Very few people can do that and expect to still have a company in six months' time. Right, yeah. I think you mentioned, what was it, Your de- the death? Uh... Yeah, the, the fines for GDPR can be up to 20 million euro or 4% of your worldwide turnover, whichever is greater. Right. So, I mean, 
how many companies have more than 20 million euro in profit a year? Right. You know, so that can literally end a company, send you into bankruptcy overnight. So is this actually like a good thing? Like what do people or what is the EU or any of their citizens actually getting out of it? It's going to, it could change, if it comes to the U.S. as much as we think it is, it's drastically going to change the culture here. In the EU, they already had some of these protections in place. The culture over there involving privacy is very, very different. We could talk to some of our EU partners who are here and find out what they think about it, but there are much more specific rights that the data subjects have. If I remember correctly, the right to be forgotten the right to have your data erased was first recognized by a court in Spain some years ago. Right. And so they said their citizens can request that their data be erased under certain circumstances. Now everybody in the EU has that. Right. So if your data is no longer needed for what it was originally collected for, for the original purpose, you can say, get rid of it. I don't want it on your hard drives anymore. Right. So you have that ability. There are some, there are ways you can challenge a company's claim of a right to process your data in a certain fashion. So you can actually, in some ways, be directly involved in how your personal data is being processed. You know, I, I'm reading uh, Bruce Schneier's book, uh, Data and Goliath, right, right now, yeah. about halfway through it. But the way he describes, you know, personal data gets cast out onto the wind almost. You right. know, when the first company has it, God knows who's going to get it. You know, and there's exchange between public and private agencies, between data brokers and other companies that use that data. Right. That whole industry, not just one business model, but the whole industry is challenged by this regulation. Yeah. So So it sounds like it doesn't impact EU citizens as much in companies there, but it will have a huge impact on us in the U.S. here. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that people in the U.S., companies in the U.S. have to abide by it, and there are a lot of ways that that we will have to abide by it here. So is it just any company that operates within the EU then? If you, Not necessarily. If you're, so if, you're just, if your company's just solely like, we're just the United States, mm-hmm. is, is there any concern there for those types of companies? Very much so. So directly within the terms of the regulation, you are within scope if you're monitoring EU residents' behavior. If you're watching- So that's anybody who's like traveling to the US? Well, if you're monitoring an EU resident's behavior as it happens in the EU, so okay. if you're a U.S. company who's tracking what kind of gelato Italians buy or what kind of champagne the French are buying right. or anything like that, or even how a Frenchman is interacting with your website or service, that will bring you within... Oh, okay. So even if someone just goes to your website potentially and monitoring your traffic from the EU, oh. Yeah. The other half of it it's is... Very broad. It is. It is. And so I, I think U.S. companies are going to need to be prepared to deal with that data no matter what. The other half, the other prong, the other way that a U.S. company can get into GDPR scope is if you're basically marketing services to EU residents. So if you have a website that's accessible to the EU, you haven't met that prong. But if you, for example, are saying on your website, we have services in, you know, we have clients in 28 countries, including, you know, France, Germany, Belgium, et cetera, then that probably indicates that you're targeting EU residents and you are in scope now. So you are still then just trying to operate within the EU. Not necessarily like, so if a company, like we're not trying to service Europeans at all, Mm -hmm. they don't have as much to worry about. They don't have as much to worry about. It's probably, if you don't have EU clients and don't want EU clients, you probably mostly just have to worry about things like analytics and website access logs. Okay, okay. Which 
unfortunately you still have to care about. And right, it's, right, right. You know, right. A, the, 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 one of the, the most important parts is you need to have your justifications for what you're doing written down. Right. You need to have them on hand so that if an auditor walks in, you can say, look, here's how we made our decisions. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. You know, it, moral luck, you right. know, the idea where if you do something reckless and nobody's hurt by it, no harm, no foul. Right. But if someone's actually injured, you got a problem. That luck is eliminated because any company that gets a call from an auditor, for the most part, needs to have all these decisions made by design from the beginning. Right. Which, I mean, that's a good thing anyway. We preach that sermon all the time. Right. You know, but yeah. uh, how many people are not actually abiding by that? Yeah. Probably most. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So what I guess what should companies be doing for like or should have already done? I mean I don't know what you're doing after the fact, but yeah. Well, I think the biggest understand how conceptually the regulation works. Everything flows top down from your initial justification from the lawfulness of your processing. I mean, backing up even before that, you need to audit your data, understand what you have on EU residents and where the information's coming from. If you're getting the data from a company that already operates in the EU, then they will probably be kind of pushing you into compliance anyway. Right. Because for EU companies, they have to write their contracts so that their downstream processors or whatever other kind of contractors they have are going to be contractually bound to, for the most part, obey this regulation. But know what you have and know where the data is coming from because you can be surprised sometimes by the data you didn't realize you had right. about what EU residents are doing in the borders of the EU. So so why did we see all these privacy updates? Like for like the last <laughs> two months it's been we have a privacy update. Yeah, yeah. Well I mean I think the biggest one is that consent legally under this regulation has to come from an affirmative act. There is no such thing as opt out consent anymore to GDPR processing. That is not valid consent. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So companies were, you can't even have a, a box that's pre-checked. You know, constant contact and eye contact, most of those will prohibit you from doing it anyway. Right. So they were already following that rule, but now it's legally invalid. So they were trying to get you to opt in. And I think a lot of them were trying to give you documented privacy policy updates disclosing the things you have to disclose under the regulation. So what the supposed legitimate purposes of your processing are right. that justify you doing this processing without the subject's consent. Okay. So is is this so is this like a, a specific role then, or is this just something that the compliance and legal team and I guess maybe someone from the privacy team get <laughs> well, together on? Or? It, it's good that you bring that up because certain companies actually have to have a data protection officer. Ah, okay. And yeah, so again, I'm a lawyer. One of the, the big differences between law and some other professions, accountants, for example, is that accountants are CPAs, certified public accountants. Accountants in certain circumstances have to rat out their clients if they catch them doing something illegal. Right. Lawyers, for the most part, can't. So we're used to our fiduciary duty being to our client right. for the most part. Now, I, it's not a, a duty to the law per se. It's duty to our clients above all else in most circumstances. The data protection, the data privacy officer, I think that's the, the acronym, uh, has to operate independently. So you can't have your DPO operate under threat of being fired right. if they you know, push too hard on your privacy practices or if they start saying no too often. That in and of itself, firing a DPO because they 
were too heavy of an advocate for privacy or they said no too many times is a violation. Okay, so there is some protection then for that role. Yeah, and the scariest part is they let you pick somebody who's just an employee. So theoretically, oh, you can just pick anybody then. Well, they have to be qualified. They have to have certain okay. skills, but it could be someone who's fulfilling another role. So I mean, oh, okay. are people going to start calling their system admin who has a CISP or a CISM their DPO as well? Yeah. I mean, I uh, don't know. <laughs> I, they'd be a, a risky game of Russian roulette to play. I think. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. Is, so. Is this going to force some kind of um, legislation or some kind of other, like the U.S., to have like something similar? Or probably not. Um, you know, the only thing that I have read from the Trump administration about it is that Wilbur Ross has he issued an op-ed, I think, in the New York Times. It was published, uh-huh. saying it's bad for U.S. business. I mean, saying nothing particularly shocking, right. but saying it's you know could hurt American businesses. It's too much regulation. The compliance burden is too heavy. So I don't expect the current administration or the current Congress to do anything to help the EU regulate U.S. companies. In fact, they may resist. Right, and that's why I was wondering if there's going to be, even on the other spectrum mm-hmm. of that, pushing back on it, saying, no, you can't do this. Or Yeah, you know, thinking theoretically, if someday a U.S. court is asked to enforce a GDPR fine mm-hmm. against an American company, I can see for example, the Justice Department writing an amicus brief or something like that, arguing on behalf of the United States, this is against core principles of fairness and due process. It is against our political values as a culture, so to speak, over regulating businesses like that. So I think we could see a lot of people dragging their feet or pushing back on enforcement inside the U.S. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And and like the yeah like you were talking about earlier the European like just landscape is just so much different like we were it's an OSINT course and um, we had a guy from I think the Netherlands and he was like he's like you can walk around the camera and just start take pictures of people like, you can't do that over there <laughs> yeah well fun fact so there is a I think this year there's a statute in Illinois that goes into effect and my I haven't read the statute I'm I'm recounting what I heard from another presentation by a lawyer but there are privacy protections for any biometric data. Biometric data includes facial recognition data. Uh, So if I snap a photograph of a friend, my kids, my family, whoever in a park and there's somebody in the background, have I just captured their personal data and I'm I'm suddenly just as an average person under privacy regulations? At least in GDPR for that specific scenario, there's a provision that says you have to, it doesn't become personal data until you've pre-processed it. Right. so that it's suitable for use in a biometric system. Right. So a picture of somebody's hand is not a fingerprint. A picture of somebody's face is not facial recognition data. Yeah, yeah. But So so this is just something that the EU has pretty much already been prepared for. And they, they, it's a lot in their culture already. So this is, because I've always wondered about that, like why GDPR is such, seems that you know, a lot of people are screaming from the mountaintop saying, prepare, you know, winter is coming or GDPR. Is coming, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the EU already had a, a fairly stringent regulation, stronger than anything we had. Right. Um, but one of the big changes is, of course, the extraterritorial application, which didn't exist in the older directive. Really? So, so this has been through a couple drafts then? And this was the one I went through? or Well, I, I don't know how much, much work, how many changes were done during the drafting process, but the original directive that was the law before GDPR was enacted 
already had some similar provisions. Okay. So the, the big headline-grabbing items have been the right to be forgotten, the right to, you know, the right to object, the right to access. Some of those, I believe, are different than what was in the original directive. Right. And can we see that here in the U.S.? I know we kind of talked about some similar to GDPR, but even just some of these little bits that are in there that kind of provide a little bit more place of protection. I hope so. You know, I, have you ever downloaded your Facebook data or your Google no, Drive I data? No, after Graphs came out, I just went ahead and deleted my Facebook account. That's the way to be. <laughs> you can, you're on top of it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like if I, as an InfoSec person, didn't have a Facebook account, I would be missing out on the horrendousness or something like that. <laughs> you know, like I, I have to bathe in the, you know, I, I, the priest who has to go to the bars to know how the sinners <laughs> live or something like that, you know? But yeah, I, I would like to see a law that says if, if Facebook is withholding information from you when you download that archive that right. you know that's against the law right don't tell me you have less than you do right you know so i'd love to see that so what are what are some resources things that people can go do to learn more about gdpr <laughs> well read the reg of course read the regulation how long is the reg including the recitals the pdf that i printed out and have here in front of me is 88 pages long okay it's 175 recitals and 99 articles it's long is it very lawyer speak though like <laughs> It's it's honestly less technical than a lot of stuff. Really, you know. I, well, I know, that's why. So I was just thinking about that after I asked that question. Like, do they write it as lawyery in the? That, that, I don't know, that's not even a word. But in, in Europe, as they do, like here in the U.S., because they can get pretty eyes glaze over kind of lingo. Yeah. No. I, uh, <laughs> I, I the what I've read of this regulation is less dense than, for example, the bankruptcy code okay. or the tax code. I mean, you want to go to sleep. You're having trouble sleeping Same. at night. <laughs> yeah. Read the Internal Revenue Code or read Chapter 11 of the U.S. Bankruptcy Code. Right. This, the, the GDPR is, uh, partly it's because the definitions are actually very common sense to me in a lot of situations. Okay. There are, the words don't mean these abstract, bizarre, esoteric things. I mean, okay. personal data is PII for the most part. Right. You know, so it's not like you have defined terms nested four levels deep or anything like that for the most right. part. Right. So, now I, I, it's a lot more readable than some stuff. That's cool. Okay. Another, another important resource is there was a group called the Article 29 Working Party. Okay. That was under the previous regulatory regime. It's now been replaced by the European Data Protection Board. And they're basically an administrative body. They're going to issue advisory opinions and other discussion on how it should be interpreted, the regulation. Right. Uh, Article 29 Working Party has a lot of good information. Uh, most prominently, their guidelines on consent uh, that basically expound on what the regulation itself says that in other words, what Google and Facebook are allegedly doing is completely illegal. Right, right. They also issued, after the, uh, the Cambridge Analytica thing and Zuckerberg testified before Congress, they actually issued a letter that said, sorry is not good enough. That was the first sentence of the letter. So they are directly responding even to things that are happening in the press really? relating to data protection and privacy. So, so is it kind of like the EFF? Well, except their government. Okay. They're not a nonprofit. They're part of the EU government. Oh, okay. Okay. So it, I don't know exactly what, you know, the, the EU charter or anything like that says about their authority to issue binding law or what the legal status of those letters is, but it certainly indicates how the EU regulators are probably going to approach it. That's interesting that they're paying attention to the Cambridge Analytics, which is pretty much was a U.S.-based company trying to get analytics from Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So 
That's, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about it from that angle. All right, is there anything else that I haven't mentioned that we probably should cover or ask? I would... Uh, there, the disclosures are really important. Uh, you know, I asked Claire, one of our partners here, what should, what do you think I should emphasize during this talk I gave and the Claire's other day? From, from France. She is, yeah. yeah. Uh, it Gnosis. Um, yeah. She's been, she's been here for a while now. Show me Khan. Uh, yeah. We always love having her, but she said to emphasize the disclosure because that's really important. And I basically skipped over that because, you know, during a talk at a con, you know, people are not going to take such detailed notes that they. You know, are right. going to be ready to update their privacy policies, but they are really important because those disclosures are how people know how to enforce their rights. Right. And also for U.S. companies, remember that you may need to appoint a registered agent in the EU, basically, right. so someone who can be a point of contact for for you inside so the has union. Has to be registered in the EU too. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. That's really good stuff. All right. Mm. Well, that's that's it, man. Then. That's the interview. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and talking about GDPR. Cool. Thanks much. Yeah, to make my eyes glaze over. So. <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get or, there. Or the sky is falling. Or yeah. 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 And that, that's the thing. We might have to like in a year re revisit this and see what's changed because it sounds like there still could be some things that change. Yeah. Pretty pretty soon here. I don't know. I don't know how 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 fast are the EU courts are. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I don't know where the dockets are. Right. You know, it's not Pacer is where we go in the U.S. for federal court, but I don't know. And I mean, the security requirements are just so incredibly vague. Right. I mean, they could. Sounds like HIPAA. That's what HIPAA's pretty vague about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they say protect the integrity of your data in GDPR. What does that mean? Right. You know, does that mean I can't use it MD5 HMAX anymore, for example? Right. But cool. they, they could theoretically go as detailed as PCI does if they wanted. Yeah. So, <laughs> God help us all if they do that. All right. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah.